Hello again. My name is David Svi Kalman, and you're listening to Sermon Slam. Sermon Slam is a poetry slam, but for sermons, for stories, for poems, for plays, anything else that doesn't take too long to tell. Each Sermon Slam event focuses on a Jewish theme, and some of each night's performances are posted online. This is our second episode on the theme of Hanukkah. We have two performances for you today. Both were recorded on November 22, 2013, at our event at Lovers and Madmen Cafe in West Philadelphia. Our first piece is from Akiva Sanders. Akiva talked about his ambivalent relationship towards Hanukkah and about the hidden power of the dreidel. Here he is. When I was a kid, Hanukkah was our holiday of religious freedom. Our hard-won victory against oppression, a holiday that represented our liberal values, a light in the darkness of intolerance. As I grew up, I learned that the Maccabees were a group of religious extremists that carried out vigilante murders of those who didn't observe Shabbat, who installed a dynasty, started a century of forced conversions, persecuting rabbis and killing brothers, an age of darkness. So what do you do when your heroes would have liked to have killed your friends? When you need Judaism, because it's written in your bones, but its history is not something that you want to emulate. Then the moment comes when you stop asking how the tools of Judaism have been used, but rather what those tools are. And I remember the things that really made me celebrate Hanukkah every year. And one of them is the dreidel. They say the Maccabees defeated the Seleucids despite the fact that they had to play dreidel whenever the enemy soldiers were coming. But I'd say that they prevailed because they played dreidel. Let me explain. <clears throat> Start with Neskadol Hayasham. It's a testament to our hope, our powerful belief that things can change in a moment. The fallen are gladdened, prisoners are freed, the sick are healed, and the dreidel makes that possible. When we play dreidel, we show that we value our individual possessions less than the excitement we share. It binds us to one another. Gambling together with strong communities of the past 40,000 years. That's longer than we've been doing agriculture or living in towns. These are the games that built the ties that allowed the first communities to survive that allowed our small community to keep going for millennia. And we learned that these communal bonds are not what take our power away from us, but what grants us power. The power to change everything in an instant, a power in people. The reason why we never have to give up hope. We don't have to look to our history to know that we can make heaven on earth. We have to look to ourselves and our friendship and our motivation to brighten the world. We have to remember that we are not celebrating Hanukkah so that the past can have power over us. We're celebrating together so that we can have power over the future. That was Akiva Sanders. This evening was made possible in part by the Hadar Campus Scholars at the University of Pennsylvania. For more information about the other programs the Mahon Hadar runs, including its Winter College Learning Seminar and its summer programs, visit mechonhadar.org. 
This episode of Sermon Slam was also made possible by a Make It Happen microgrant. Make It Happen is a global initiative of the Charles and Lynn Schusterman Philanthropic Network. For more information, visit makeithappen.schusterman.org. Our second piece for the evening comes from Marley Wiener. Because the story of Hanukkah revolves around a military conflict between Jews and non-Jews, it's not always easy to explain the holiday to Gentiles. In her piece, Marley talks about what it was like growing up with Hanukkah in an interfaith home. Usually when I do these, I'm in front of more people farther away, because you know how Jews are. They like to sit far back. Um, So tonight... I want to start with a Hanukkah story, but it's probably not one you've ever heard. In the time of Israel, before Antiochus, before the Troubles, there was a group of athletes, Jewish athletes, and they were on a mission to the Greek games in Tyre for Hercules. And they brought with them several hundred for lack of a better term, dollars, to donate to the sacrifices at the games. And I want you all to put yourselves in their position. What an honor it is to travel all the way to Tyre from this little backwater community of Judea. We get to go and represent Judea. How exciting is that? And yet, they've got this money burning in the back of their pockets, money that's supposed to go to Hercules. Hercules is a god, remember. And so what they end up doing with the money, they decide we can go, we can participate in foreign games, but we can't worship a foreign god. We can't donate to this sacrifice. And all of that money ends up going to the Greek Navy to buy ships. And I read this story a couple of weeks ago in my class. I'm currently in rabbinical school, and I felt very close to those athletes because I know what that's like to have that connection to feel that rush of that outside community. I'm sitting here talking to all of you in English. Um, I went to college, I studied anthropology. I live in a world, we all do, that is full of outside influences. And those outside influences are exciting and they're powerful. And me more than most, um, I come from an interfaith family And so every year around about this time, usually a little later, because usually Hanukkah and Christmas are butting right up against each other, I'm in church. I'm sitting in the pews of Doylestown Presbyterian with my grandparents, and then we all go home and have figgy pudding. It's very waspy traditional, Um, but that's my life, and it has been my whole life. And yet here I am at Sermon Slam, in rabbinical school, and so what do I do with that? Because the Maccabees, they they didn't like Jews like me. Um, They didn't like Jews who were into those outside influences. They didn't like Jews like those athletes who would go off and travel to those games and be part of the worship of Hercules. They called them apostates. They said they were destroying the covenant they said that they were evil and lawless. Um, And let alone, you know, marrying out, marrying a nice non-Jewish girl. And the War of the Maccabees, it wasn't just about ending religious persecution, which is what we always hear. It's about ending religious persecution. No, it's also a culture war. 
it's about keeping Judaism separate. It's about keeping the Jews as a separate people, a people apart, which is not our reality for most of us. It's not how we live. So what does it mean to celebrate Hanukkah? How do I keep celebrating a holiday that would have gladly put me and my family out on a rail? Not literally. Um, for the answer to this, I turn to this week's Torah portion, which is about another man in unusual and trying circumstances, Joseph. Joseph is a yes and sort of man rather than an either or. He grows up beloved of his father, spends most of his life in a foreign place. He rises to the top levels of the political elite. He marries an Egyptian woman and has two children by her. And yet when the rubber hits the road, when the time comes, he comes back. He comes back to his family. He comes back to his brothers. And not only does he save the Egyptian people, but he saves the Jewish people as well. And he does this, ironically enough, by blending this sort of yes and thing. He marries an Egyptian woman, and he's also searching for the blessing of his father. He travels back to get his father's blessing. He's rising to the highest levels of Egyptian political authority. He becomes a prince, he becomes prime minister but he's doing it through this tremendous sense of humility and this tremendous sense of piety and using a prophetic vision given to him by God. He takes all of his gifts and that's how he saves. And so it is for me. Around about this time, I bake my grandmother's Christmas cookies and a couple of months ago, I was baking my other grandmother's Jewish apple cake. I read the Talmud, and then I get on my, the phone with my grandmother, who is a devout Presbyterian, and talk to her about it and how things are going at my student church. She hasn't quite figured out the distinction yet. It's okay. Um, I talk about atheism with my father, who is Jewish, and Kabbalah with my mother, who's agnostic, and pull Aramaic dictionaries off the bookshelf to talk to my housemates, who are atheist and pagan, and one of whom wanted to be a priest at one time. I study the historical context of the Lord's Prayer and marvel at its relationship to the Kiddush, or to the Kaddish, excuse me. And I have it all memorized because I learned it one summer at church Bible camp with my best friend, who is also a Presbyterian. My Judaism filters down through all parts of my community and both Jewish and not, and it's the stronger for that. So what does this mean for all of us, for all of us Jews living in this mixed world who come together to celebrate the great miracle that happened there? What's the miracle? I would argue that Hanukkah, it's not just another, they tried to kill us, we survived, let's eat holiday. It's not. It's about a it's about a powerfully complicated idea of lines in the sand. Where do we draw them? How do, the land, how do the lines move and shift as the community moves and shifts? And how do we ride those waves of the shifting landscape to a rededicated Judaism? How do we know when to adapt and when to stand firm? 
When do we act as the Jewish athletes and go off to the games? When do we act as the Maccabees and rewin the temple by sword? And how do we know the difference? How do we live out the Jewish values of Shabbat in a world that favors being plugged in 24 hours a day, seven days a week? How do we live out the Jewish values of welcoming the stranger when our society encourages us to be paranoid and mistrustful of all of our neighbors? How do we live out the Jewish value of pikuach nefesh, saving a life, in one of the few nations in the developed world that still practices the death penalty and in which people blow up clinics and murder doctors in the name of saving babies? And how do we live out the Jewish value of communal responsibility when so often our lives drag us away from one another with work and school and all of those outside influences. And it's so very difficult to build a committed and supportive Jewish community. But when also do those broader human values intercede, the values of taking care of the poor, of loving others, of loving our families, regardless of their religion, regardless of their family of origin, regardless of their place in the world, when do we open up to the whole human family? We must remember that we have tremendous power, the power to include and the power to exclude, the power to celebrate diversity and ecumenicalism, and the power to celebrate particularity. We are blessed and we are cursed in that the power of where to draw those lines is uniquely and exclusively our own. And our lines in the sand may not be the same as one another. They may not be the same as those athletes or as the Maccabees. We may not be willing to take that trip across the ocean or to pick up that sword, but we do have the power to stand firm in our convictions and knowing that we do so under the authority and the blessing of God. Thank you. That was Marley Wiener. Our fabulous MC for the evening was Lizzie Burroughs. Thanks as well to Yael Kalman, Ilan Kitterman, Annie Lewis, and Michal Richardson. Sermon Slam is a project of Open Quorum, dedicated to creating, curating, and distributing Jewish public media. If you like the show or want to bring it to your city, send an email to sermonslam at openquorum.org or go to our website, sermonslam.openquorum.org. The next Sermon Slam will be in New York City on January 22nd. If that excites you and you want to be part of it, seriously, let us know right now. My name is David Coleman. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more. <laughs>